and welcome to the long-awaited first episode of the fourth season of Soul Care with me, Angie Fatal. My pronouns are she, her, hers. I identify as a cis woman, also with a very queer bent. I am on the unseated land of the Multnomah, Wasco, Calitz, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Bands of Chinook, Tualatin, Kalapuya, Malala, and many other tribes that made their home along the Columbia River, where I also call my home. Well, when I ended season three, I think that was in January, I thought I would be taking a month, maybe two months off. And here I am four months later (laughs) because life. And I'm sure I'm not the only one out there, wherever you are, who life is catching up with or you just are kind of, maybe you're marshalling your resources, maybe you're just getting your head above the water Maybe you just keep getting blasted by waves and it takes all of your energy just to do the things that you have to do. If that is the case right now, that is completely normal. I mean, what is normal anyway and anymore? Um, because we are creating normal every day in new ways And I'm hoping that some of these ways that we are creating new normals for ourselves, man, I hope they don't go back to the way it was. Um, Quite a bit has changed for me in the sense that during the pandemic, I um, really didn't have very many archery workshops. For those of you that are new to this podcast, I not only do um, one-on-one appointments with people deconstructing their faith, um, helping them find a spiritual practice that feels good to them, whether it's in a Christian tradition or whether it is ancestral or nature, but finding ways to practice and connect with their spirit and maybe a a creator. And as well as doing that as a spiritual director, I also do archery workshops that are based in somatic healing ideas. Um, Rage, anger, grief, loss, getting at those difficult emotions and then shooting and releasing some of those. And some of those hard to get at feelings that really stay stuck in our bodies that need a chance to get out. And archery can be really cathartic, but because of the way the pandemic was and so many unknowns, um, so much closed down and I um, didn't really have any um, archery workshops for a very long time. And, you know, because that is something I really love to do and is part of not only my personal practice of staying connected to myself and to my body and to something I've created for myself in a meditative way that gets at stuff for me. 
It's also something that's become really part of what I do for others all the time. If it's not um, one-on-one workshops or doing stuff through Airbnb experiences, it's something that I usually offer to different communities to help, you know, release stuff. I've done it for the queer community. I've done it for um, POC queer advocates and um yeah I've just that's part of the whole that's the way I am in the world and that's one of the ways that not only I've been able to help myself but help other people and it was really life-altering to have such a big thing that I do for myself and for other people really um I don't want to use the word stall out because that would mean that yeah I don't know I you know just to pretty much the tap was flowing strongly and then somebody shut off the water but things have been coming back slowly and the thing that's been really interesting is the stuff that I did in my downtime remember at the beginning those of you that can remember back at least for us in the Northwest, um, March, not this March, but the March before where we started to go into lockdown and how many people were like, oh, I'm going to learn Spanish. I'm going to learn French. I'm going to start exercising and get, I don't know, perfect body, whatever that is. I don't even believe in that. Um, you know, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to learn a new skill. I'm going to play the guitar, you know. And I think what we don't know as humans, which I guess is good because there are a lot of people out there that have to learn this and it's ongoing. If they've lived through any kind of crisis um, and they've had to flee for their lives or they've had famine or any kind of thing that changes the way you are in the world and the way you are with other people in the world that would bring about a similar way, similar change as maybe the pandemic did for a lot of us. Um, The people that have lived through things like this before would be able to go, you are not going to want to do the things that you think you're going to want to do. Your capacity shrinks It's crazy. And I hope that you have had time to kind of keep readjusting, you know, keep altering what you think you're capable of. Not not in the way that's saying that you're not capable of a lot of amazing things, but to keep pushing ourselves when maybe our bodies or our capacities are limited and then being angry with ourselves because we can't do what we think we should be doing. Um, I think, or I hope a lot of us have learned that um, part of living through something like this is learning just to survive every day. And if you get extra like gratitude and joy and human connection and um, little respites, I mean, you are doing real good. So for me, I had, um, you know, this big loss and it 
kind of created this, I don't really know how to describe it. I would say like a dark night of the soul, if you're familiar with that, or (laughs) maybe this is too much, but like a hero's journey, um, if you're familiar with that, where you have to go through something really hard and, you know, me using the word dark is more like you don't know what the end is going to be. You don't know how when you get through this tunnel or this dark chasm that you're in where you can't see the other side, what the other side is going to be. And that's really what um, I would say the, you know, a couple months into the pandemic that started for me. And it lasted a long time. And I really didn't know what, you know, this thing that I'm doing, my practice and this vocation that I've taken on, where it was going to go. And I had invested a lot of time and a lot of energy into what I do. And also, it wasn't something that I didn't enjoy doing. I love spending time with people, watching them get in touch with their power or feel empowered. That's something that brings me so much joy and also empowers me at the same time. So you can't go wrong with that. And I went through that dark night of soul or hero's journey and I came out the other side. And if you go back, it's probably somewhere in last season where I really kind of arrived back at myself And then once those things kind of filter down and real life kicks back in, which what is real life anymore anyway, I don't know. Um, And you start to find new rhythms and, and new things, new things creep up. But I have really spent a lot of time reflecting during this pandemic. And I don't want to sound like uh, every day is just me meditating and, you know, super mindful, because that's not the way it is. I'm, you know, I'm doing it day by day, just like I'm imagining you are. I have good days, and I have days that aren't so good. I have days where I feel like, oh, this is this is amazing. I've got it dialed in. (laughs) And like by the evening, I'm like, I don't have anything dialed in. Um, and I, I think that's being a human. I mean, maybe you're listening to this and you have it much more dialed in than I do. And that's great. I am somebody that because I don't know, maybe it's my personality, maybe it's my Enneagram type, maybe it's, um, you know, the way I was raised mixed with all of those things, probably that, the way I was raised and then, you know, just mixed with my personality, mixed with Enneagram, mixed with it all and, you know, my life experience of spending a lot of time in a lot of other countries and cultures and learning a lot of different things who has made me, it's made me who I am. And um, sometimes that person is very laid back. I mean, maybe my friends listening to that are like, no, you are not laid back. Um, And sometimes it's made me 
just really feel like every day I'm getting beaten up by my inner critic. And for those of you that do not know what the inner critic is, the way I would define the inner critic is that voice inside of you that goes negative first. The voice that says, you're not enough, you're a fraud, nobody's going to love you, um, you're a failure, you know, the negative. Um, that voice that is quick to beat you down before you can hear the good in yourself. I really have a strong <laughs> inner critic. And I think that's, that is something, you know, if I think about the things that I've been working on in the last few months while I've been taking this break, it kind of just happened where I really, for the first time, started to notice that a little bit more. So let me break that down. I have always been aware that I have negative self-talk. And I've spent most of my 20s and 30s, <laughs> probably 40s, I'm 50 now, um, working on that, you know, kind of getting a handle on what I say to myself and how the strongest, most, the loudest voice in your head that you give the most rain is the one you believe. And so I would say for the most part, I have a pretty good handle on that. What's happened in these last three weeks is I've gone a little bit deeper under the surface and I've heard a voice that is not as loud, is that loud, blaring, inner critic, you know, negative self-talk. But this constant thing that's like, oh, you fucked up there. Oh, why did you do that? Oh, everything's going to, it's all going to be a mess. Like, for instance, I was, I make uh, bathtub gin. If you don't know what that is, it's like... <laughs> Um, it's sort of, I make, I make a lot of tinctures, which is, uh, natural medicine. And so it's a similar thing. You take, um, hundred proof vodka and you take juniper berries and then you do a variety of herbs or, um, fruit peel, like lemon peel, you know, you make a, you make something herbal infused, you leave it sitting and then you strain it and you've got yourself gin. And I got into that last year during the pandemic, like you do. And it was really fun. I had no idea that I could do something like that. And then it tasted really good. And then I made it for Christmas presents. And I also made bitters that went with it. And it just became something really fun. I was just you know, experimenting and having fun with it and then sharing it with friends and family and people, other people got into it and people started asking me if I would sell it. And I was like, no, I'm not interested in that. I'll just give it away. And then I heard from enough people like, I would love to buy some if you decide to sell it. And so I was like, oh, maybe that would be fun if I keep it light. I don't overthink it. That's the... That's the key there. If I don't overthink it and it's fun for me, I'll do it until it's not fun. And then I'll just keep making it for myself if 
you know, if I want to. And it's been fun. And a couple days ago, I was at the point of um, taking it through its filtration process. And all day long, there was a low hum of, oh, it's not going to taste good. Oh, you know, there's something wrong with it and nobody's going to like it. Or And it was very quiet. So this low hum over me where I almost couldn't tell it was there. Like I almost didn't notice it. And I'm sure anybody that has, I mean, you're human, so everybody has it. Uh, inner critic and if you don't you may want to analyze why you don't have any um because i think most of us are constantly talking inside ourselves so i notice that low hum of i'm gonna fail or it's not gonna taste good there's gonna be something wrong with it and i caught myself and i said why why do you think that Every single batch you've made has turned out better than you thought. You didn't even know what to expect, and it's been way better than you expected. What makes you think that this time is going to be any different? So let's lead with, I'm sure it's going to taste good. It's, it's going to taste good. And if it doesn't, who cares? I can tweak it. So that's more what I mean is... I've dealt with, for the most part, the obvious negative self-talk, those tapes that run in our head. Mindfulness has helped me just building my own awareness around what I say to myself over the last 20 years has helped me realizing that that negative self-talk doesn't produce anything good inside of myself or inside of you. All that negative self-talk does is it keeps me in self-hate. And that self-hate keeps me focused on self and on my unlovability instead of going, yeah, I have things that I don't like about myself and everybody has things they don't like about themselves and we're all trying to figure our stuff out and sometimes we get it right and sometimes we don't. I've been working on that for a long time. So those obvious ones don't really trick me that often anymore. And so I think what's been happening, no, I don't think, I know what's been happening is now my insides, my inner wisdom are like, you're ready for the next level. Or maybe it's 10 levels down, I don't know. That low hum that's like, you're maybe... It's not screaming you're ugly anymore. Now it's screaming like, oh, look at your wrinkles or look at your hair or, you know, look at how your body is sagging or or you don't have the energy you once had. What's wrong with you? But it's almost so quiet that I can't hear it. That's, That's what I've been working on. And so there's this side of me that is not enjoying that <laughs> because it doesn't feel good. I want to look at myself and and love everything that I see. And there are days that I do that without much work or struggle and then there's days that I just don't. And I think we're probably all very much like that. 
And then there's this other side that is so grateful that I have built this container that can see and hear these little nuanced ways that my inner critic has gotten more crafty or the negative self-talk has gotten more crafty. So it's much like the last dying breath of something, I hope. Just struggling to go, I'm going to fight to keep you locked in this shame cycle or locked in this critical cycle that keeps you focused on self instead of this cycle of love that allows me to move from focused on self in a, in a good way, like getting my needs met, knowing who I am, honoring myself, um, holding that kind of space that's like living in my integrity and doing all of those things that create a what's the word it's like create this way of loving others better it's not just about i want to love myself so i can love you you know, which is very, for me, a very um, two helper on the Enneagram thing. For those of you that are familiar with the Enneagram, you know, I just want to help people. I just want to love people. It's deeper and broader than that. It's as I learn to love and care for myself and honor myself and live in my integrity, even to my own discomfort, then my love for you is authentic and it grows and then my love for my neighbor grows and my love for this earth grows and I am realizing that I'm more intertwined with things than I give things credit for. And that shifts and changes. It's like magic. And when we realize this, we step into something more powerful than I think most of us are aware so one of the things I want to say about this, because I'm, I'm sure I'm not the only one, because I think when we are living through crisis times like we're living through, and I, I want to clarify, this is not just about the pandemic. This is about, you know, Israel colonizing Palestine and continuing to attack and kill Palestinians and take their land. This is about immigrants, refugees fleeing all over the world for safety and being turned away, dying at sea, children being ripped from their parents. It's about inequality. It's about um, injustice and white supremacy and... It's about all of that because we are living in a time of change where change is like frothing at the mouth to move us forward. And I think the way humans can tend to work is we long for comfort so much that we will continue 
in a system of oppression because it's the comfort we know than move towards change because it's a it's uncomfortable because we don't know how to live that way yet so thinking about that how do you create spaces for yourself to start to notice the inner critic or maybe you're not quieted inner critic yet you're more at um the bombard the bombardment of negative self-talk and they're really similar i'm just i'm putting a hierarchy there that's not really there it's like what what is loudest for you and naming them two different things for ease of communication if you are in negative self-talk you know where you have this thing screaming at you you piece of shit you're worthless one of the things that I'm just learning through this amazing book I'm reading that's um, that I'll, I'll share at the end of the podcast um, that I don't think, I think I have heard about it before, but the author did such a, such a good way of kind of describing how to do this. So I've been working for the last, you know, however many years on mindfulness, because that's been such a good tool for me to kind of live in peace with myself and kind of notice things and let them pass or just go, nope, I'm not going to call myself that anymore. I'm going to reframe it. And if I'm hearing you're not enough, I'm going to say to myself, you are enough. Even if you're not feeling that right now, you are enough. Um, But one of the things he said is sometimes if you've been raised in a certain kind of household where your voice was not allowed to be heard, your needs were not allowed to be expressed, and if you did express a need, you were crushed or shamed for expressing that need, more than mindfulness, in the beginning, sometimes what you need more than mindfulness is telling that negative self-talk no or to fuck off or no no I am not going to keep abusing myself like fill in the blank like my parents did like my grandparents did like teachers did like friends did I'm not going to do the work of the enemy that's that's one of the (laughs) the mantras that I created um not that long ago is I will not participate I will not create I will not do the work of the enemy now, I'm not saying that, you know, my parents are my enemy anymore, but that that way of keeping me pushed down as a kid has influenced the way I've allowed self-criticism, negative self-talk, the inner critic to kind of dominate my life. And sometimes the most empowering thing that we can do for ourselves is say, no, you will not talk to me that way. You have no place here. Mom and dad, shut up. Grandma and grandpa, shut up. So that might be where you need to start. So one thing I would just recommend is first trying just to notice. Let's say you're in the kitchen and you, you know, drop something and it breaks. And your first thought is you piece of shit. 
Now you can either sit with that or you can say out loud, if it's safe for you, no, I am not a piece of shit. I broke a plate. That's it. Or mom and dad, you have no place here. Accidents happen. This was an accident. But the first thing you want to do is kind of notice that voice because often for some of us that were raised in environments where our voices were silenced or anything that looked like pushback to our parents was, you know, was responded to with um, violence or shouting or um, shaming or all of the above. Um, It's really hard to reestablish our voice. And so that might be the way you need to start is first notice because you weren't even allowed to notice as a kid because you learned really quickly that noticing and then speaking out about what you needed or wanted or, you know, desired was not allowed. Um, You get really good at not listening or not hearing that dialogue of that inner critic that's going on. So first noticing it. And then if it's really painful to notice it without responding, you can say, no. You can do any of those things that I said before. You can say, you have no place here. Shut up. I'm not listening to you anymore. And then you build that muscle. You build that muscle of telling the inner critic, no. And as you reestablish your power, your voice, your ability to notice your wants, your needs, your desires, or just to be a person that makes a mistake without crushing yourself. Then you can start also, once you, once you build that ability to put its, it back in its place, then from there you can kind of build up responding to it. Like, there are probably more critical things that I say to myself that need me to, you know, basically tell it to fuck off. But there are ones that are more subtle, like I was saying earlier, that are kind of on a low hum, that it might need a response more of me getting to the point where I notice it. So building that awareness to kind of go, oh, okay, that makes me a little bit sad that I think that way about myself or it's okay to feel sad about that. I mean, I would feel sad if I was talking to you and you were telling me, you know, I hate the way I look. I've never felt like I'm, you know, like I look good or I think I'm stupid and I, you know, anything where you're, saying harmful things to yourself, I would be sad for you. Just like I'm sad for myself when I still feel like I can be my own worst enemy. And so when that subtle, you know, low hum gets noticed, I want to first go, thank you. Thank you for noticing. I'm really thankful that you're noticing. I don't like it. I don't like that I say to this stuff to myself. I don't like that I'm still here, that I don't first always lean towards loving. But I am so grateful that I am at this point in my life where now I more often notice than I don't notice. 
I more often catch myself in a in negative self-talk or catch out the inner critic than I don't catch out the inner critic. And that's huge because I was somebody that wasn't allowed to feel whatever was happening in the moment appropriately. Uh, so let me back that up. That was confusing. So if something was happening that, you know, engage my empathy or my sensitivity and I needed tears and I felt like crying. I never had the, I felt my parents might see this differently, but the emotion that I would feel in that moment never felt like it was allowed to be the appropriate emotion if it inconvenienced them. So if something made made me sad, somebody was hurting and I was sad about it, or I was hurting because somebody said something mean to me and I was feeling feelings about it that involved tears or, you know, hiding or whatever, whatever it was to my parents, it wasn't right. It wasn't the right emotion. I was too sensitive. I was, you know, too emotional. I was too this, too that. And so now that I can notice these things, I get to give myself something that I wasn't given. And and I have to be honest, I mean, sometimes it makes me so sad that I am 50 and I am giving that girl the chance to feel the things she needed to feel when she was five. That makes me sad. And at the same time, because nothing is binary. I am overjoyed that I get to feel it. I get to see it. I get to notice it. And I get to change it. And in a perfect world, we would still have to do all this stuff. It just wouldn't be so... Maybe it wouldn't be so ingrained. We would have gotten... We would have been given more space by our parents, by caregivers by significant people in our life to feel the things that we needed to feel to be in the world um, the way we were born to be in the world but we weren't given that and so whatever age you are you get to give that to yourself and all of that all that that does it produces love it produces love that grows and is contagious because when people start to love themselves really love themselves authentically loving themselves warts and all it is contagious when you see a person that is comfortable in their own skin and loving themselves it is contagious I the people that I've been around in my life that have that it rubbed off on me it didn't make me hate myself or be more abusive to myself it actually gave me hope that that I could eventually get that get there too so those are the things that I've been thinking about um it's all you know it's it's not linear it's just it's just when those things come and if you have the capacity to look at it you do And if you have even a smidge of capacity to be gentle, you're gentle. And as you do these things, it 
builds and it strengthens and you change. I am not the same person I was when I was in high school and my inner critic and negative self-talk was on screaming volume all the time. It's not there anymore because I have spent time with it because I haven't let it be the loudest voice. And so if I am the only voice in your life telling you that the inner critic doesn't have a right to be there, doesn't have a right to keep you down, isn't giving you what you need, isn't telling you the truth, full stop, then I want to be that voice because you deserve to live your full self. Whether people like it or not, <laughs> you, get, you deserve to live in the fullness of who you are. Thank you for listening. It's good to be back. I have needed to talk to you. I know that sounds weird because um, it's a very one-sided conversation, but I do want you to know that um, much like how I understand Reiki, I am talking to you. I, I am talking to you and I'm putting it out into the world as if you are listening to me and I'm receiving back from you. And if that's too woo-woo for you, um, just know that when you're listening, someone is thinking about possibly what you're thinking about. And um, I'm excited for this season. I'm excited for my book that I've been working on. That's all the mantras that I have ever written for you and for me. Filled with practices and songs and meditations to try and I'm still editing it and facing my fear around that because it's a it's a big one and there will be lots of interesting guests coming on the show which I'm very excited about and a lot of it might just be me talking to you because that's valuable us talking about ways that we can be more centered and loving to ourselves because again, when we are loving to ourselves, it changes our own DNA and the DNA of people around us. So remember who you are. You are worth knowing. You are worth loving. You are worth being in this world. Take care, everybody. the book that I was talking about that deals a lot with the inner critic is called Complex PTSD from Surviving to Thriving by Pete Walker. It is an amazing book. I am over halfway through and already so many life-changing things that I've learned. So check it out.